96-7W. Classified top secret subject is... Hey, kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. Everybody, and welcome to Hey Kids Comics, your weekly rantathon in which I, Andrew Leyland, last son of Krypton, and my son, Michael Leyland, Metropolis Marvel, engage in a lively debate about the wild and wacky world of comics. Or would you have preferred to introduce yourself? No, no, it's fine. You don't like me treading. You, you, you handled you? yourself you quite well. Well, I'm used to it. Well, I think we mentioned the RSI before from handling myself. <laughs> Um, for the past couple of weeks, we've been covering certain big names that we somehow neglected over the past year and a bit that we've been doing this show. But rather randomly, we've dropped that this week. Because Michael recently went on a Superman kick and read all of the World of New Krypton storyline. Thanks, yep. Luke, Jack and Etta. And followed that up with Superman Grounded. What was the fur for? Because <laughs> it was crap. That you didn't like it at all? Not as a whole, no. That's not Luke's fault. Yeah, I know. <laughs> God damn you making me read it. Nobody made you read it. You dug out a big box of my comics and said, can I read these? Because you're like As that. a whole, it, it was crap. The, the last bits that were <coughs> on New Krypton. And good. the Supergirl stuff's good. The Sterling Gate Supergirl stuff. It's all right. But I essentially think Luke agrees with us. I think Luke has said to me that he thinks the Supergirl stuff and the ending was good. Is that why he sold it to us? Yes. He's trying to get it off his hands. <laughs> yeah, he sold it for a very good price. It has to be said. It all blows into one in my head. It does. That storyline. Anyway, as I was saying before we were interrupted... Because we're not a Superman pot... Wait. Wait a minute. <laughs> Actually, today we are. Um, Michael followed this up by reading Superman Grounded, and his reaction to this storyline interested me so much that we decided to cover it. But first, as usual, a little background. We need some... Or oh, oh, the bit in Balamora where they, they sprinkle the hands and the balloons <laughs> could, could bubble around. I, I, I don't recall much of Balamora, apart from the guy who wore pink. Uh, in 2006, DC published Infinite Crisis, a storyline that ostensibly, ostensibly brought an end to the then 20-year-old post-crisis continuity. Now, I think an argument can be made that when Eddie Berganza took over the Superman books with issue 151 in 1999 and swept away the triangle numbering system shortly thereafter, that the seeds were planted for the phasing out of the elements that made this era unique. But nevertheless, this marks the end of what I consider my Superman. For a while, a number of pros have been quite vocal about their dislike of this era. Not least amongst them was Jeff Loeb who, as of Superman 151, was one of the prime writers and attempted to rewrite the Man of Steel miniseries from 1986 that created a new origin for Superman with a far more Silver Agey version. Nevertheless, due to backlash, the post-crisis continued as adhered to for a while and then Infinite Crisis happened and DC once again wouldn't give a definitive yay or nay regarding Superman's origin. This fannying around with what exactly was Superman's origin continued for a while, with DC showing the backbone we've come to expect from them and this led to the books seriously floundering for a short time. Superman started missing shipping dates and storylines that were promised in certain issues didn't appear and it was, quite frankly, a mess. 
Another pro, dismissive of this era, was Joseph Michael Straczynski. And when the whole mess regarding Superman's origin was finally sorted out with 2009's Secret Origin, Straczynski was offered the brass ring. A chance to write his favourite character, Superman. And then things went a little caca. Hmm. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Well, we don't like to telegraph exactly what we're going to think of something, do we? Spoiler alert, he dies at the end. <laughs> what? No, that was the death of Superman. Uh, before starting to write comics, Joseph Straczynski, or JMS, as he likes to be known, probably because Joseph Michael Straczynski is really complicated to both write and say, biggest claim to fame in genre circles was as creator of the novel for television Babylon 5, uh. a sprawling science fiction epic that was groundbreaking in terms of its use of CGI and its storyline, which was all plotted out in advance. Michael groans audibly. Why? Have you really ever bad. watched Babylon 5? Yeah, with you. I used to watch it with you all the time. And why do you think it was bad then? The animation was bad. No, it isn't. CGI. The animation, the CGI is actually pretty good. Forest. Even by today's standards, some of it stands up quite well. Some of it doesn't, but some of it does. I I maintain Babylon 5 is a pretty damn good show for 88 of its 110 episodes. I maintain that the original Battlestar Galactica is better than Babylon 5. The original Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, that's how bad I think it is. You have no taste. Uh, After a few comics for various publishers, Straczynski was offered The Amazing Spider-Man to write at Marvel and produced a very... What's a charitable way of of saying this? Really good? Controversial run. After falling out with Marvel over the end of his Spider-Man storyline, JMS leapt over to DC to write a much ballyhooed run on Superman and Wonder Woman. Now, I think Straczynski is an exceptional writer who oft-times seems to write stories unsuitable for the character he's writing. The much argued about Sin's past in the Spider-Man books was a fascinating and gripping read that I literally could not put down while I was reading it. But the minute I did put it down, I felt really dirty. I have never read all of Grounded until covering it for this show, so be interesting to see how this all pans out, won't it? I wanted, I set myself the goal of having read all 12 issues before we recorded this, yeah. so you can do that thing of actually knowing where it's going, because I think that does help you evaluate the whole thing. Unfortunately, I failed. Well, I didn't fail miserably. I want to read all the Supreme Power, but... <laughs> yeah, there is that. Um, I've only not, I've not read 11 and 12. Right, so, so read... you're missing the fairly important bit then. Yeah, the end of... When it redeems itself. Alright, well, then, there's yours. Penfold. We're probably going to give less coverage to the synopsis, synopsis, synopsises, our summary of what happened <laughs> in the issue, because we want to cover this whole story in two shows. We don't want to spend three or, or four weeks on this. We wrote a synopsis, as much of a synopsis as we could of what we were given. Well, some of them are quite easy to synopsize. It has Superman to be said. walks down a road. <laughs> Straczynski's run began with Superman 700, which came out on June 23rd, 2010. Featured a cover by Gary Frank of Superman and Lois flying and looking all lovey-dovey. Which struck me as a bit silly, given that Mark Kent, Connor Kent, aka Superboy, Supergirl, Crypto, Perry White and Jimmy Olsen are all looking on from atop the Daily Planet building. Whilst I doubt Crypto would say anything, I presume it's not common knowledge that Clark and Superman are one and the same, and the last I checked, Lois was married to Clark, not Superman. So that was a bit strange. Oh, and there's Crypto on there, who should be dead now. I don't remember him dying in At the end of the war of New Krypton, Zod goes to kill Superboy, but Crypto jumps in the way and dies instead. I'll tell you a word for it, because I don't remember. Uh, As usual for the era, there was a variant cover by Eduardo Rizzo, probably best known for 100 Bullets, I think, that pays homage to Neil Adams. 
The title of the story, Grounded Prologue, The Slap Heard Around the World, is a punning title taken from Ralph Waldo Everson's Concord Hymn, referring to the first shot fired in America's Revolutionary War, but later became synonymous with any major event that had lasting repercussions. In this story, written by Straczynski, with art by Eddie Barrows and J.P. Mayer, letters by John J. Hill, colours by Rudd Rice, assistant edits by Will Moss, and edits by Matt Idelson, or Idelson, as Michael pronounced it last week, the world is still unsure of Superman's loyalties following World of New Crypto, despite his fighting against the Kryptonians on our side. But let's not let the facts get in the way of the premise. Thanks to General Lane and his campaign of discrimination. Whilst answering questions about the war and how the world feels he may have lost touch, Superman doesn't know how to respond. A woman shows up and slaps him and says, I love you a little. <laughs> You're just going to do that every time I say something you don't agree with. <laughs> a woman shows up and slaps him and says that her husband died of a brain tumour that was inoperable, but Superman could have done something about it. But he was too busy saving the entire fracking world to pay attention to her and her problems. Superman is understandably upset by this and flies off to see Batman, who is working on a satellite to monitor Earth for future threats. Superman leaves after seeing all is well, but he's still melancholic. He visits the Flash and asks what he sees when he runs fast. <laughs> he says he sees a big blur. Superman leaves. He hovers over the Earth for a bit, still being all melancholic, and flashes back to a pep talk from Car Kent about soil and not following the same routine every day and how doing that leads to stagnation. Superman sulks a bit more and flies back to Earth where he picks up some soil symbolically, rooting himself to the Earth, and walks away as the tinkly piano music of sadness plays mournfully in the background. That was pretty much it, really, wasn't it? Pretty much. Do you have lots to say about this one? Well... Kind of. Kind of. Uh, well, page one doesn't actually start with a splash page, which is quite unusual for comics of this era. It just kind of starts and carries on. Superman is being hammered by reporters on this page and comes across as a really bad public speaker. Yep. You can do one of your little groans there. Because uh, I, th- well, I think that's bogus to yeah. begin with, to be honest with you. Um, Superman's always been shown to be a really good orator, capable of handling himself in interviews, and when one reporter asks him if he's lost touch, he doesn't know how to respond. He'd laugh and go... I'm here, aren't I? Well, see, the wheels fall off this story before it even begins, though. I'm a firm believer there's no such thing as a bad character, just bad writing. But there really? are stories... Yeah. Bug. I like Ambushbug. <laughs> Ambushbug's supposed to be funny, though. He's not supposed to be serious. Well, the, the stories... depends who's writing him, though. Well, yeah, I suppose so. There are stories, though, that don't suit particular characters. Superman would know what to say, though, wouldn't he? Yeah. He'd be reassuring and he would be confident. He would be everything we would expect from the man and more. I don't know who this imposter, weak-willed Superman is, but he ain't my Superman. Um, also, isn't Clark Kent how Superman stays grounded and keeps in touch with the world? Yeah. Isn't that the, the purpose of him being? Isn't it the, the Shakespeare thing that the king has to disguise himself as a commoner to go and walk amongst his people to understand what they're saying about him. Yeah. Otherwise, the king loses touch with the people he's supposed to be in charge of. Oh, Isn't that... Well, it was also a Shakespeare play, which oh, is, yeah. I suspect, where <laughs> Neil Gaiman got it from. Probably. Isn't that the point of Clark Kent? Yeah. And so... also, the, my, my Superman, the image ingrained in my head, is that was because I grew up with Alex Ross's mythology. There was that big double-page spread of him stood up in um, some courthouse, just stood there talking. Yeah, well, in Superman 4... He delivers that stirring speech to the Super UN. Well, the perfectly okay if you're, you're drunk in the right mood for it. Anyway, and you're I, not watching I, it I grant you, Clark <laughs> hasn't been around through the entire new Krypton storyline. 
Did that bug you as much as it bugged me? How did how did the explain where Clark was in that? Do you remember? On holiday? They just didn't mention him, did they? No. Mm. Um, some build-up would have been nice, I suppose. I don't see why people are saying that Superman abandoned Earth and how he lost touch. It annoyed me all the way through New Krypton when they're saying this. He didn't abandon Earth. He simply went to live on his new old home planet. But it's like an adopted child finding their true parents and wanting to spend time with them. But they wouldn't be ad- abandoning their adopted parents. They would just be spending time with the real family. See, so I object to real family. The real family is the family that raised you. You, well, you get yeah. to know the biological parents, yeah. is what you meant to say. But And then it annoyed me more when Superman let all these accusations get to him and he just turns into a great big sop. I mean, no wonder Lois leaves him later on. She's already got one pussy. She doesn't need another one. Oh. <laughs> the, I'm, I presume, though, that you're referring to her cat. <laughs> yeah, Streaker. No, no, she has a cat called Elmo or Elmer or See something what I like did? that. I know. See, yes. I knew that. So you edited that out? No, I don't. know. I may just let you fall flat on your face for that one. <laughs> but no, it annoyed me. People that accused him of abandoning Earth. Yeah. Page two, where she slaps him. It would have been really funny if she broke around. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been amusing. Uh, page three. There are so many things wrong with this <laughs> that I, I really don't know where to start. Yes, Superman is. Well, super. I'm sure he could spend all day in hospitals around the country x-raying everyone and seeing if they're all okay. But isn't that what hospitals are for? And doctors. I feel for this woman, I really do. But I'm having a really hard time seeing how this is Superman's fault. So he wasn't where she wanted him to be. He was stopping an alien invasion. Without Superman, the entire planet would be learning Kryptonese or Kryptonian or whatever the hell they call that funny language that's just symbols. If her husband's tumour was inoperable, it's highly unlikely Superman could have done something about it. Silver Age Superman could have done something about it. Why? Well, the worst stories were he was that good. He got super intellect as well as everything else, and I'm sure... I'm sure there was a silver or golden age issue where he did perform brain surgery on a child. Mm. Like, the doctors were with him while he did it, but because time was of the essence, if a real doctor had opened her brain, she would have died. They had a very narrow window of time to remove the tumour, and only Superman could do it. So there was was a doctor there telling him what to do, but he did it. Okay. But... Did this he read version. every book. Yes, he read every medical every, text every in the world beforehand before right. he did it. Yeah, and there was still a real doctor there to help him. Yeah. Um, somebody can get in touch and tell me where that was. I'm sure I didn't make that up. But this version of Superman, even with the new origin, the secret origin, which I presume is an old origin with the new Fifty Two, Superman's not a brain surgeon. I was so annoyed, super doctor, at this page. I get that the woman's grieving, but there's no in-story evidence that Superman could do anything even if he hadn't been off saving the world. It's a faulty premise. And when you build your story on a false premise it can't support the weight of your story. Well, you soon forget about this woman uh, as soon as the next issue starts. Yeah, really. like, there's no... She doesn't follow up on this at any point, does she? Is no. she in the last two issues that I have not read yet? Not in our I mean, Chris Robeson, who takes over from Straczynski for the last for six issues, actually does a much better job 
of setting up why Superman's like this, doesn't he? Yeah. In the it's the Batman issue later on, isn't it? The Bruce Wayne one, not the Dick Grayson one. Yeah. But we'll get to that later. It's another one of those I notice you up for the blue skins yeah. and save purple <laughs> skins and green skins, but you never save the black skins. And you never heal one man of a tumour. Well I'm sorry, I considered saving the whole world from being destroyed more important than frying a hole in your husband's brain. But if it wasn't for me, then it'd have died yeah, anyway. Dead anyway. <laughs> and so would have you and all these news reporters. And how about instead of blaming one death for me you cut me some slack for saving your planet and I know you lost your husband but I lost my planet twice and my dog <laughs> and he'd be very upset about losing his dog he would yeah, yeah. he's still got a horse and a monkey and a cat yeah page five I do like Batman's line when Superman disappears yeah about I know how Jim Gordon feels is that Bruce Wayne at this point no that's still is that Dick Grayson although it doesn't really matter in the context of this scene does it pages six and seven the flash is out of touch as well is he Apparently. Is that the point of this scene where Superman says, what do you see? And the Flash says, when I'm running flat out, I see what a figure you see when you're flying up there at several bazillion times the speed of sound. I see a blur, which didn't, didn't make sense to me when I read this, because haven't they established that the Flash has like a super brain in terms of he interprets all of this super speed stuff really quickly? Because, uh, like, you know yourself, if you go really, really fast, you suddenly lose the ability to see what you're doing. Unless I turn sideways. Well, so if the Flash could run at 600 plus miles an hour, however the hell fast he can run, if yeah. he couldn't interpret what he was seeing... He'd run into a wall. Yeah, at the same speed that he's running. So his brain must have been affected by the chemicals that fell all over him yeah. for him to be able to run. So I don't buy that he would see it as a blur. Well, it's going to get retconned later. Anyway. Yes, well, again, Chris Roberson obviously didn't like that as much as we did. No. Because he fixes that the next time. I like Guy. shows up doesn't he well um at least stood outside of the Kent farm here because that looks a lot like a ranch in the background it, it just says that it doesn't say anything really no it doesn't establish where I saw you heading cross country and decided to get in your path it doesn't say where it is I don't suppose it really matters does it no not really it doesn't matter if he's in Smallville or not I presume Parkett's dead at this point isn't he yeah because of the brain storyline, yeah. Page eight is a really nice piece of art. It's very reminiscent of Superman Returns, with Superman hovering over the Earth just thinking. Sadly, this story is reminiscent of all the bad bits of Superman Returns as well, unfortunately, uh, where we get a melancholic, yeah. Smallville-inspired super Superman. Uh, page nine and ten. Are we going to get a sulky Superman throughout this entire story? Yep. Yeah, I would argue no. Once, again, once Chris Robertson takes over... Well, we suddenly get a Superman that learns how to smile. When, when he learns that, yeah, maybe I am quite depressed. Yeah. Well, so the much ballyhooed grounded gets off to a really poor start. Straczynski's an excellent writer, which is why I think this is so disappointing. If you've never read a Superman story before, then this may be passable. Because there are a whole bunch of Straczynski fans who think that his run on Spider-Man is the best that character's ever been. I really like it. And never it, will yeah. be. I, I think it's hit and miss. I, I like it it's of different. It. Yes, I'll give it that. He is actually attempting to do something different with it. Yeah. For the first time since, oh, probably since Tom DeFalco and Roger Stern was on it, to be honest with you. Yeah. He doesn't just try and turn back time, ironically, given what happened at the end of his run. But it's like Superman Returns... There's, there's so much wrong with the premise that as much as I enjoy bits of that movie, because the underlying premise is faulty, it's kind of hard to get into it as a whole, and it's the same with this. It's going to be interesting going through this to see if the story can rise above its premise, but this seems to me to be a bit of an ill-conceived idea from the get-go, Yeah. to be honest with you. 
After this issue ends, Superman walks into a record shop and buys My Chemical Romance and Fallout Boy CDs and keeps his hair up his eyes. He <laughs> listens on his iPad yeah. all the time. He turns into Peter Parker from Spider-Man <laughs> 3. Is that what you're saying? The, the thing that kicked this off was when you came down and said, have you read Grounded? And yeah. I said, I don't think I have, no. I think I've read the first couple of issues and then got, got bored of it. I didn't read the rest of it. And you said... It's terrible! Yeah. And I was just so surprised by your reaction to it. Well, you know my favourite <coughs> issue in that... Uh, favourite story in that 700 In was. Superman 700, yeah. Well, we didn't cover the other stories. I like the Dan Jurgens one. I like the Dan Jurgens the one. The Superman Robin team-up. Yeah. I always love Superman Robin team-ups. And well, Superman Nightwing as well. That's how much I didn't like... Well, the, you're the just history. wrong about Dan Jurgens, but you're well, wrong about Jack Kirby as well. Not always. Okay. I'm willing to read the fourth world stuff. Um, well, I want to read the fourth world stuff. Anyway, we, Superman we 701, for next week because we're not a fourth oh, world podcast, yeah. dropped on the 14th of July 2010. The cover is dead boring. Uh, it's all white with a large S shield and people's faces and Superman walking. How very exciting. Iconic, but boring. Yeah, it's not even iconic. What's iconic it about it? Is. It isn't Superman walking. The How big is that S. Iconic? The big S. <sighs> They're not even trying. The John Cassidy drew it. Um, it was usually really it good. It was normally really good. Yeah, I don't know what happened here. There's a variant also by Cassidy that's a play on Superman number one from 1939, which is fine as that goes, but it isn't really selling this storyline. But then, how can they sell a storyline that involves a man walking for 12 issues? Looks like this is the best cover they got then. Possibly. Uh, Grounded Part 1 is by exactly the same team. Superman is walking through Philadelphia. He helps somebody with a busted fuel line and talks to a TV crew. Lois shows up, but he says he's keeping walking. He has dinner at a diner and pays for it by cleaning the storeroom. He is tell of a drug den and sets fire to the stash. He stops someone running a red light. He stops somebody having a heart attack. He talks a jumper down off a ledge for nearly eight pages. He leaves Philadelphia. Food goes in. See, I'm kind of pithy, though. Well... But Why? that is essentially what happens. In the reading of this, I didn't actually mind this issue. In reading it, it was quite fun and some of the dialogue's okay. It's um, alright if you're <coughs> an issue of Preacher. Well, you know. Page 1 to 4 is quite cute. Superman still seems a little snarky with the TV reporters, especially the guy that, that questions him. And he kind of zooms off into space and shocks him up a bit. Yeah. There's a part of me that's like, mm, and there's a part of me that's like, mm. But his line about walking because he's not flying is quite funny. And I like the little touches of helping the guy with his few line and proving to the loudmouth he can still fly. Um, funny bits, however, that seem a bit out of character for Superman. Did you not think? No. Spider-Man would totally do that to that guy. Yeah. Because that guy's a douche. Superman, wouldn't he just have smiled and ignored the guy, really? My I don't God. really think he'd fly him up to space where he gets snow on him and then bring him back down. I just don't see Superman doing that. Superman's better than that. Golden Age might have. Golden Age Superman might have. I mean, it would have been fun if you just thrown him into the sun. <laughs> it would have been hysterical. I don't have to fly. <laughs> Hello, Scott Gunn. Uh, page five. Lois has no problems with her husband, who she hasn't seen for ages since he's been off on New Krypton, just up and leaving again. She has no problem with that. Oh, no. And Clark can pick his own assignments, Kenny. Oh, yeah. Because Clark Kent is obviously following Superman to get stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fair enough. Page six, the guy with the camera, panel one, looks like Peter Parker. Oh. <laughs> All right, the guy with the camera. Do you know what I think? Yeah. He looks like Peter Parker. Panel four, so people know he has a secret identity again. 
the diner woman actually says to him, oh, credit card, ID, name. Oh, right, secret identity. I get that. Oh, right. So when, when was he dumb enough to explain that he had a secret identity? One of the best things about the post-crisis era was nobody thought Superman had a secret identity, so no one was looking for him. And it was one of the things I thought was a really subtle touch that really worked. Nobody thinks Clark Kent's Superman. Because nobody thinks Superman has a secret identity. He doesn't wear a mask. Well, then I also have a problem with that. Cause, Why? Because he's going as Superman. You, you, no one calls the son Superman. So he's yes, but have... his real name's Kal-El. That's, that's world known. He's not made a secret of his real name. This is my point. Superman is one of the few heroes so because who he's, can testify he's in court he's Kal-El. because he could testify under his name of Kal-El. Right. He doesn't even have to mention that he's Clark Kent. If the guy says, put your name on the Bible and swear under your real name, he says Kal-El. Okay. And I totally buy that. I always liked that, that nobody thought he had a secret identity. So it seems a bit silly here that suddenly the diner woman knows he has a secret identity. Um, pages 8 through 10, speaking of making no sense, Superman is walking to get back in touch and he sets fire to Jay and Bob's secret stash and says that this stops here, but over there has to take <laughs> care of itself. Oh, yeah. That's done all superman's done there is moved the problem he's not solved anything sweeping under the carpet yeah i mean he says he'll come back and check up but that's just hotter <laughs> because it isn't much of a walkabout if he's just going to keep going back to the same place all the time now don't get me wrong i quite like that superman did this i'm a big fan of social crusade of superman yeah. but it just seems to me this causes more problems than it solves does it well it's more I mean, of equal why, problems just down the street. Yeah, well, why can't Superman solve the problem out over there as well? He's Superman. Yeah. But he's saying, no, I've sorted it out here, but I don't care what happens over there. That's their problem. <laughs> really? Think local at global, Superman? I think you should have a word with Bruce Willis, to be honest with you. Page 14 and 15, Superman says it's not fur that somebody is alive and somebody else is dead. Superman is bothered by the fact that somebody is still alive. Right. Superman. <laughs> Superman, <laughs> who doesn't kill. Superman, who believes all life is sacred. Superman is bemoaning that Gaddafi and Castro and Manson are still alive. Superman. Yep. How can somebody who professes to be a Superman fan not have a single clue about the character he's writing? Superman wouldn't wish anyone was dead. Well, Straczynski seems to be writing himself in a Superman costume. Yeah, see... I buy this conversation from me. Yeah. There are many, many people in the world I would gladly see dead. <laughs> but you know why Superman wouldn't say this? Because he's better than me. That's the point of him. He's better than we are. That's why he's Superman and I'm not. I did like that he didn't answer the policeman's question. <laughs> I thought that was quite cool. It was, yeah, but then again it questions Superman. Yeah... And I do like his speech on page 22. I did quite like his speech where he's, he's, he's quoting Thoreau on page 22. Uh, somebody did a review of this where he ripped this page apart. Comics Alliance, I think, tore this to bits. Okay. And it was quite a well-reasoned argument, but I, I, quite, I, I quite enjoyed well, reading it. What was it. their argument? Uh, their argument was they knew a lot more about Thoreau than I did. <laughs> so go and look it up, because I can't remember. But it was quite funny and I enjoyed it. Um, again, in the reading of it, I enjoyed it a lot more than Superman 700. Once I've gotten over the faulty premise, there's no denying Straczynski is an excellent writer and his dialogue does sparkle. I have a few issues with the fact that nothing ever happens. Nothing happens at all. 
Nope. The needle returns to the start of the song and we all carry on like before. But, you know, this kind of thing was done much better in Superman's first night section of Superman the movie. And even the tornado sequence in Superman 4 where Superman says regular people. But it does not make a nice change of pace from all the action spectaculars that we've had over the past couple of months. I'd rather have the action spectaculars, to um, be honest. Yeah, I think At I would. At least when nothing happens, someone gets punched. Yeah, that's true. Well, um, yeah, I was going to say, you didn't have much to say about this one, did you? Well, no, and there's a reason why. Okay. It's crap. <laughs> it was a dull story, and it was it was actually two pages worth of story spread out over 22. Although I did quite like the jump hood scene, it was quite touching, but it was dull. Didn't they do it better in All-Star Superman? Yeah. Isn't that me just saying something nice about Grant Morrison? It was, yeah. <laughs> so but they gonna, did, but he did! We just recorded that. No, oh, don't say this at the bit. Um, I'm not against Grant Morrison. He did that bit better. Yep. He did that scene better than Straczynski did. In my opinion. Um, but it wasn't a proper Superman comic. It's not a proper Superman comic unless someone's getting punched halfway across the world. <laughs> Yeah, he's walking halfway across the world, but any man can decide they just want to walk halfway across the world. Oh, it's that line in Pulp Fiction, like came from Kung Fu. <laughs> Didn't... I'd rather have someone get punched, to be honest, and this was nowhere near that entertaining. Okay, fair enough. Well, so far this is turning out to be incredibly negative. <laughs> and I don't like it when we're incredibly negative. Superman Didn't you only seven... choose to do this? Because... No, I chose to do it because of your reaction to it. Which was I negative. I have read this when you told me your reaction to it. Which turned negative. But I was thinking, well, if he didn't like it, maybe I will. Because that's how we approach these things. And I am a big Straczynski fan. So there was the possibility there that I would be like, you're talking out of your bottom again. (laughs) So far, you've not not been. So far, you've actually been pretty spot on about this. I mean, I, I seem to be getting more enjoyment out of it than you do. Yeah. But that's like saying that Yorkie bars have less calories than dairy milks, you're still stuffing your face with chocolate. I don't know, I just pulled that out of my ass. now. <laughs> it's quite fun. 702, issue 702, sorry if Superman dropped on the 11th of August 2010. The cover is dull. Superman just stands there holding the US flag. He's not doing anything dynamic with it like he does at the end of Superman 2. It's just there. It's not an iconic image like Superman number 24 from back in the, the 40s or the beginning of the 50s TV show. It's not even a great piece of art like the excellent two-page spread of Superman with the US flag from Superman number 400 by Jim Steranko, or Frank, the Frank Miller poster from the same issue. It hangs there limply. A lot like the story. <laughs> yes. Uh, you want Superman in the US flag? Check out Superman number 178 by Ed McGuinness, or Superman 53 by Jerry Ordway, or Superman number 14 by Joe Shuster. They're all better than this. Well, do you not think uh, Cassidy draws Superman to look like a male model? He draws it look a bit fat. He's a bit porky on that cover, isn't he? Mm. His midsection looks like he's carrying a bit of extra weight there. Well, that's something that I will will say yeah. carries on through the entire issues. Superman looking a bit porky. So what happens when you walk instead of flying? Well, one of them thought the walking would be better for him in terms of exercise. But good advert for Superman Converse on the first page. Before we start the, the inventively titled Grounded Part 2, it's by all the same people as last time, so you know who to blame. Superman hits Detroit. He plays basketball. Rock City. 
He encounters a man that his super senses reveal appear to have gills instead of lungs. The man looks a bit panicky and they go inside to talk. Superman is attacked by a large exoskeleton suit which he takes down after a bit of a struggle. It is revealed that the man and his colleagues, all of whom seem to live underground, fled to Earth from the planet Natala in the Denim star system after their world became totalitarian regarding personal freedoms. Hmm. Superman asks how they are contributing to society. Double mm. They've already said that one of them has learned to be a doctor, but apparently this isn't enough, and Superman leaves without deciding what to do to them. About them. Sorry, not to them. Superman walks on. He meets an old dude guarding an old abandoned car manufacturing plant. The old dude shows him around, and Superman gives the guy what he wants, which is to see him fly, and leaves. So he doesn't take him flying, no. which I think would have been cooler. It would have, yeah. But... Whatever. Uh, as he does, the old dude passes out and Superman takes him back to the Natalans who cure him. Superman, witnessing the crystalline technology they use to heal the old dude, also known as Charlie, convinces the Natalans to reopen all the abandoned plants and start a medical research unit bringing new jobs and life back to the community. Superman leaves and chats with Lois on the phone, who says she'll visit soon, and he walks off into the sunset. The Batman is watching. Page one is amusing. I'll give it that. It is. Where the guy's like, oh, Superman's walking past, Superman's walking past, and the guy's just sat there relaxing on his porch, saying that he's had a, a bad day at work, I don't really care, woman's always telling stories, and Superman walks past and says afternoon, and he just takes no notice. Yeah. That, come on, that was funny. Yeah, it was. That raised a smile. Pages two through four are likewise amusing. Superman notices that one of the kids playing is being ignored, so he asks for a game of basketball. After a few matches, Superman lets the kid that was ignored take the ball off him giving him a little street cred. Again, nice little scene that completely belies the premise of this story. Just this one scene shows that Superman is in touch with people yep. and can relate to them, doesn't it? By just acknowledging that that kid's not getting any game and going, I can do something about this without making it obvious that he's doing something about it, Superman proves he's in touch with people. Or is a good actor. So seven, so three issues into the story, we can call it a day. <laughs> All right. Unfortunately... Not. Pages 7 through 9, action! Woo! You've forgotten what it was, haven't you? This did make um, me Actually, to be fair, again, this fight seems pretty well done. Uh, the art's really good, and he actually looks like some threat to Superman. Superman's punches look like they carry some weight. And I love the dialogue about all these suits being designed to hurt him and missing the point. They need to be designed to survive him. The problem I have with this is this fight trashes the inside of the house, but fortuitously doesn't mess up the outsides or reveal what happened. How lucky is that? Very. It's like it was planned. Yes. Do they have planning permission for that big underground look that the Natalans have under the house? Probably not. Because at least Bruce Wayne's cave was already there. Yeah, maybe they're not community people. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> obviously, because page 10 through 12, some really hammer-you-over-the-head commentary Yeah. Uh, on CCTV and monitoring the populace, leading innocent people to flee after a rash of persecutions for seemingly innocent infractions. And then some commentary about illegal immigration. Again, likewise, terribly subtle. Uh, I have to confess, Superman's line on panel 3 of page 11 is funny. His line there about, could you possibly have picked a worse time to immigrate here illegally? <laughs> ah, come on, that was amusing. Yeah, was. Bit out of character, but amusing nevertheless. Um, as is the line about giving back to the community. Whereas, you know, what are you giving back to your community? Doc is very good at finding lost pets. <laughs> that was funny. Lost it's pets, it. you know. Few Old women would be grateful. Yeah, oh, you know. However, is the ultimate immigrant saying that immigration just to improve your life is bad. Is that what he's saying here? Could be. Because again, 
Chris Robertson would retcon this not six issues well, yeah, down the line but he is he didn't escape so that his life would be better he didn't immigrate so his life would be better he immigrated because he was a baby's parents sent him and his planet just blew up yeah but the the whole point the whole thing that they play with Superman is that he is immigrant who came from somewhere else and he America helped him build a second life as far as I can see that's what these people are trying to do yeah and he's saying that they're not giving anything back to the community it's yep. a very thorny issue, this, isn't it? I was I was quite confused by the message Straczynski was trying to impart here. Mm. And like I said, Chris Roberson will retcon this, not six issues down the line, <laughs> after Superman's fight with Livewire. Yeah. Won't he? Oh, yeah. That's how I interpreted that scene. Right. Where he, he goes on a big page-long diatribe about second chances and how that's oh, what America's right. all about. Which, to me, is more in keeping with Superman's character than this scene. Yeah. But that's just me, and we'll talk about that when we get there. Well, like I said, it seems like Straczynski's writing himself in Superman's costume. Possibly. Hmm. Where do the Italians get the money from to buy all these places at the end of the issue? Lost pets. <laughs> like <laughs> I said, you find them, but they don't give them back they to They the sell runners. them back. <laughs> like that episode of Veronica Mars. Yeah. Uh, we've already established only one of them works. And maintaining that underground cave must be expensive. I mean, it's real nice that Superman's created a number of jobs in Detroit, which raises the question I always have with stories like this. Detroit is real. Yeah. The economic downturn is real. I saw a documentary about the factories being shut down. In Detroit? Yeah, it was on BBC4, wasn't it? Yeah, when yeah. Uh, I was left looking after Anya in that hotel on my own for hours. Ah, shut up. We were drinking. <laughs> um, the problem I have with it is Superman isn't real. Much as I may want him to be. Didn't you rant about this when you were, yes. you were on Thor? Yes. We look at Detroit in the real world and we don't see a place that Superman has just visited and opened and created jobs. Oh, we I'll still see the real world. Yes, Straczynski did this in Thor. Yes, you're exactly right. Where he had Thor visit New Orleans and I had exactly the same problems with that story that I had with this one. Yes, it's well written. Yes, it's got some neat character moments, if I'll be a little bit out of character. But when the story's done, New Orleans still has problems that we, as people, have to solve. Yeah. Thor isn't there to solve the problem for us. No fictional character is going to wipe away all our problems. In the death of Superman story in the 90s, the heroes went around fixing real people's homes destroyed by doomsday. Yeah. They did, not, they did real things for real people. Keeping it real, yo. <laughs> and I bought that because Doomsday's Rampage didn't happen in the real world. Do you see the point I'm trying to make? Yeah. It's always hard to try and explain this, because there will always be people who say, well, comics should tackle real issues. Yes, they should. I'm not they saying should, that they shouldn't. not in a superhero title. But, that. Well, what you should do then is you flood a fictional town. Yeah. And have the heroes fix it. Yeah. Because New Orleans still needs fixing. Like, and Superman you, ain't going to do it for you us. You know, Ragdad. Yes. <laughs> well, they didn't call it... that. They, they had a fictional... Um, it's Karak, wasn't it, in the <laughs> Superman books yeah. in the 80s and 90s. Uh, page 21. We'll move away from that topic because we're, we're veering closely there to entering the real world. And I hate yeah. the real world. I'd much rather it's live in a fictional reality. Yes. Uh, page 21. Clark Kent appears. Whoa. I've forgotten all about Clark Kent. Yeah. He looks a lot like John Hames Newton in that page. Does he? Yes, the guy who played Superboy in the first series oh, of right. the Superboy TV show. Um, I do love Charlie's um, dig at Brand New Day. It's going to be a brand new day. Oh, I right. loved that. Oh, that was really funny. 
Very, very amusing. Well, um, I don't think this issue was no better than... <coughs> you shock me. Probably worse, to be honest. I'm with shocked. Touch to issues. But at least we did get to the aliens. <laughs> we did. A giant robot. Yes. And a fight. Yes. A short fight, but I'm taking everything I get. Okay. We also get the only appearance of Clark till about issue 7, 10, I think. Unless you count the flashback with Bruce Wayne. That is issue 7, 10. Is, it? is that 7, 10? Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right then. And oh, were those aliens and... Uh, oh, I thought they were cute. Annoying. They were cute. Uh, I like the advert for the Superman Muhammad Ali statue. I like the advert for Brightest Day. I quite like that. Yeah. Superman... Oh, Superman. Which is what Ursa says in Superman 2, isn't it? Where she throws the thingy at him. The man all cover. Superman 703 dropped on the September the 10th, 2010, with another boring John Cassidy cover of Superman Walking. Or rather, the back of Superman Walking, whilst people with placards, both pro and con, are seen in the background. Dull. Dull, 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 dull. There's a variant cover by Lee Bergemo, or Bermejo. How would I pronounce that? That's the one. That's a lot more exciting. A Superman landed on Earth hard, causing the ground to splinter and crack with the US flag in the background. Superman's a really pissed off look in his face, and I really feel sorry for the guy who's raised his ire. Uh, it's actually a really cool looking cover. Superman bears a superficial resemblance to Henry Cavill, and the costume looks really cool with the darker colours. Grounded Part 3 is by the same people uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. Superman is holding a scumbag high in the air because he's been stalking a young waitress named Tammy Winter. After 32 minutes, Superman lets Scummy McScumbag go and says if he hounds Tammy again he'll be back Batman rocks up and wants to talk uh, this is Dick Grayson Batman because Bruce Wayne's dead at this point or lost in time or space or all, meaning all of the above or all of the above anyway Dick spouts some rubbish about Superman having a breakdown what with the description of new Krypton and how the average person doesn't matter and what if super criminal attacks him whilst he's out on walkabout Superman slaps him down a bit but Dick says when they put on a suit they re- leave the real world behind yes Chris Robeson would wreck on that but you see I in do, six issues I time. do agree to it, at, <coughs> it in a, to an extent do you? Just a bit, yeah. Not everything, certainly not everything, but that that tiny bit about putting the costume and leaving the real world. No, I think that's bogus, to be honest with you. Uh, In that real world, Lois gets in touch and tells Superman that a chunk of new Krypton landed in Cleveland. So Superman decides to check it out. I think there's a Hellmouth in Cleveland, according to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The Rock has affected Lisa Jennings, a science teacher, and in a bar she passes on The Rock's properties to Willie Trask, town drunken bully. Superman is checking out The Rock's whereabouts when Willie punches him. Surprisingly, this doesn't break Willie's hand, but sends Superman flying. Fighting at fighting time follows. That woman in issue 700, she had the suit of the uh, kryptonite crystal. She could have had. It's very good. Fighting McFightenstein until the effects of the rock were off and of course what Batman said has come to pass and this little burb in Cleveland is totaled. TV news reports basically blame Superman for this with some even wondering if he's good for the planet at all. Uh, page one and two. I really do like Superman doing stuff like that. Holding scumbag McScumbagian. I like it too but it seems a lot more of a Batman thing to do. It does seem a bit more Batman-y than Superman-y. But, you know. <laughs> um, page three, Batman's line in panel two is laugh out loud funny, as is Superman's retort. How are we supposed... Uh, no, we best do Batman voice, haven't we? Yeah. How are we supposed to be good cop, bad cop, if we're both bad cop? Easy. We play bad cop, psycho cop. Guess which one you get to play. <laughs> Come on, funny! I, I don't find it funny. Oh, dear. It's a bit odd seeing Batman in broad daylight, though, isn't it? You see, I, I, I think it's not funny because people always say that Batman's a psycho. But he's not. Frank Miller writes him as a psycho. 
Batman's just a normal guy sometimes cracked a smile. Dick Grayson as Batman was funny. He was different and a nicer Batman and was different because he wasn't trying to be like Bruce being Batman. He was being himself as Batman. Here he's just written so out of character. He seems a lot like Bruce, even worse than Bruce. He seems like a grumpy man in a costume. (laughs) I actually thought it might have been Bruce, but Bruce is dead at this point, so it wasn't unless Straczynski didn't hasn't read Batman but he was just so god awfully written out of character it gives me more reasons to want to punch Straczynski he knows it's Dick Grayson because he mentions it on page 5 I I, I know but he was horribly written I wanted to punch someone so you weren't a fan of that then were you not really not Um, pages 4 through 6 is Dick this out of character in the books where he's Batman I no, was going to ask he's, you. he's really nice. The Batman and Robin book is really light-hearted. It's like a children's book. Right. See, because the Dick Grayson I remember had all the time in the world for average people. Yeah. Uh, when Chuck Dixon was writing Nightwing and Marv Wolfman was writing Teen Titans, and even when Dick Grayson took over as Batman the first time yeah. in Prodigal, he, like you say, he didn't try to be Bruce. Mm. So... Is, is this mischaracterization then or another example of a writer changing the character to suit his own plot? Suiting his own plot. Right, okay. Uh, how many people are killed in Metropolis when bad guys attack? Is Dick saying that they don't matter? The it only matters if somebody attacks Superman while he's out walking the country in the middle of Idaho somewhere. Apparently. But in Metropolis when loads of people get killed because they attack Superman because they know he's going to be there. Then who cares about or, that? Or they, they attack Metropolis because they know that Superman's gone on a walk around America. Right. Okay, fair enough. But if this is how Dick treats and talks to Superman, it seems a lot like Straczynski didn't read the other stories in issue 700. Uh, Well, yes, because Superman and Dick Grayson have always had a good connection. Best chums. Yes. I don't know best chums, but Superman's always got on with Dick Grayson. And Dick Grayson, there's a wonderful issue of Superman by Chuck Dixon and Stop McDaniel where Nightwing just goes to chat to him. Fair enough. And they just have a conversation. And they get on really well, which is why I've always liked Superman, Robin, Superman, Nightwing stories. Yeah. Even Tim Drake, Superman got on well with Tim Drake. Mm. He seems to get on better with the Robins than he does with Batman, because the Robins aren't as obsessed. It depends who's the writer, really. Well, there is that as well. There's just some stories where he really gets on well with uh, Batman. Yeah, there is that. So. What What do you mean? I don't have. To, I don't fight the average guy. I have to fight the average guy, Superman. Because if you did, you'd punch his head off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh dear me! And um, ah yes, th- those children that find a fragment of new Krypton find it perfectly smooth and doesn't resemble a piece that's just been blown off a planet at all. It looks like it's just come out of a jewelry shop. It looks like it's just come out of Gene Hackman's hand. Yeah. Well, it looks nothing like your uh, rock of kryptonite. No, my slab of kryptonite is quite jagged. Mm. I quite like my slab of kryptonite. I should put that on the website. Yeah. And uh, finally, there's someone in this story who I like. Who? That police officer. Oh, yeah, the police woman. Who defends Superman. Yes. Yeah. Um, by the way, that strange teacher woman, remember everything she says. Everything. Because it will raise a lot more questions later on when the other writer comes on board. Right. Um, yeah, Lisa Jennings. Yeah. I thought she was just a one-off here. She yeah. was the first person affected by the kryptonite, and then at the end of the issue, she turns into the person who slags Superman off on the news. And I was like, what? Where did that come from? And then she keeps cropping up. Now, I've not read the last two issues yet, so I don't know how she pans right. out. But I'm not holding my breath for it being an amazing revelation. Um, the rest very 
very confusing. Oh, okay. Uh, the rest of this issue, I don't have much in the way of separate notes, because it's a pretty good fight scene, with Superman and Willie destroying much of Cleveland, but this being a 21st century comic, we have to blame Superman for what happened, which is complete bunkum. If Superman hadn't been there, Willie would still have been affected by the meteor rock, and may have done something even worse on an individual level. At least here, nobody died, and Superman was able to rebuild a lot of the property. I'm not saying this wouldn't be a tragedy for people. What I am saying is this was in no way Superman's fault. There's a panel on page 21 where the policewoman that you like, the only one who defends him, says much the same thing but stumbles over the question, what if Superman hadn't been there at all? What she should have said was, well, if Superman hadn't been here... here well, if Superman hadn't been here, Willie may very well have raped and pillaged his way around town, and there would have been jack all we could do to stop him. Mm-hmm. That's what she should have said. Um, this entire plot reminds me of a story arc on Babylon 5, where Dr. Franklin loses touch with himself and becomes addicted to stims, and his patients and Wells goes walk about around the station. All right. He does that for a couple of issues. Uh, oh, and the meteor rock's still out there. That was conveniently forgotten about, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Still there. Is that, does that get resolved? Nope. Oh, good. Right. Well, the best part about this issue, in my opinion, was the Action Comics 894 house ad. Oh, the one with death in? Yep. Oh, right, yeah. Have we read that? Um, I have, you Are not. they good? We've got it on the computer. Oh, right. But yeah, I, I really like the Action Comics stuff. It's a lot better in comparison to this. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the back of this issue is padded out with a prelude of Superman Earth 1. <sighs> Bastards in skin Davis. Did you like Superman Earth 1? No. Furdoos. <laughs> we won't be covering that on the show then. Uh, Superman 704 came out on the 13th of October 2010 with another cover by John Cassidy. There's a family and they're stood in between some picket fences with a baby and there's a big symbolic Superman behind them. His face in shadow looking a bit moody. There's obviously a whole, there's a dark underbelly to this seemingly beautiful family vibe going on that doesn't pay off in the story inside. It's quite striking on that level but it's not particularly dynamic. The variant cover is by Gene Hart. It's a bit more exciting as Superman swoops over a banner proudly proclaiming Fishmark, welcome Superman! As throngs of people look happy to see him. Well, except Lois who doesn't. I quite like that cover, to be honest. Did you? It was, it was better than this one. I like the Superman one, to be honest. No, I mean this one. No, this I'll, one here. I like Superman more than the rest of the cover. Superman's a bit more abstract, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so I figured you'd, you'd be more of a fan of that. First thing we notice about this issue is Straczynski is noticeably absent from the writer's credits. Ooh. Only four issues into a much ballyhooed run and the main architect is missing. Which I think does not bode well. He's too busy writing that other Superman story. Yeah, probably. Of course, this is slightly better than issues of Superman missing the shipping date, so we'll see if this issue is all filler, if it's a solid story in its own right. Written by G. Willow Wilson, who I have to confess I've never heard of before this, with art by Leandro Olivieri, who I'd never heard of before this, and Walden Wong, who I'd <laughs> never heard of. That has an awesome name. Before this, but like that's our Walden Wong. have a, a, an awesome Wong um, name. <laughs> Letters, Colours and Other Stuff are by Rod Rice, John J. Hill. I think it's Rod Rees. Is it Rod Rees? Fair enough. Uh, Will Moss was the assistant editor, Matt Idleson the editor, Superman Created, as usual, by Jerry Siegel. Possibly from the Eisner Club. Possibly. Possibly a relation of Ivan Rees. The story is called The Road Least Travelled, a play on The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost, a grounded interlude. Also is this in the trade paperback? A grounded filler, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's all... It's all in the thing, yeah. Lois is back in her old college town of Rushmark, Indiana. She's surrounded by people all wearing Superman t-shirts and hoodies, all available to buy at retailers around the world, as they prepare for the Man of Steel's imminent arrival. She muses that this is where it all began for Lois Lane, girl reporter, when she bumps into an old friend, Brian. 
Like I've never heard of before. He's a talking dog. They talk and are interrupted by some college students from Pi Beta Gamma. I never understand that garbage. Oh, it's you know, pie. it's all in movies. Where Pi get it Alpha? I thought it was V. We're Alpha Flight. I actually wouldn't mind being an Alpha Flight. Oh yeah. Anyway, this Canadian. is apparently Lois's old house. Whatever. Who and knew? she says she'll see if Superman can attend the party. Brian invites Lois to dinner with his wife Huang and two children, and Lois gets a look at domestic bliss. Lois has a chat with Huang about their respective lives, and Lois wonders if she's made the right choice. After her musing, she witnesses the couple have a domestic. Lois walks back to town and decides there's no such thing as perfect. Superman swoops down and takes her for a spin. He's arrived early to spend the night with his wife. Lois tells him of her day, and she says he needs Lois. She keeps him grounded. Day. So why is he doing this then? <laughs> Lois says she could make do with an average slob of glue glue and the home shopping network. Thanks, Lois. <laughs> you know what's sad about that? That's that's actually that's, quite. Yeah. Your mum could could easily make do without me. I'm crap at DIY. Your mum can do everything. Yeah. Your mum can put up shelves and strip engines and I can't do anything. I'm crap. You buy comics. I love you too, honey. Page one, Rushmark, Indiana is a fictional town, uh, apparently, which seems a bit odd, given that everywhere else Superman visits on this trek is real, which apart from Metropolis. Well, obviously. did you know there was a competition going on when Grounded was being released? Oh, where what? your town could, Superman could visit, visit your town if right. you lived in America. He's not going to come over here. Oh, no. You think he's going to do walk over the water? If he's that fast. <laughs> well, he could do, yeah. Page three. The art really lets the story down a bit here. Did it, you not think? It does. Um, That's my problem with it. Lois is looking in a shop window, worrying about the lines on her face and the altitude of her caboose. She well. muses. She muses that Superman never gets pimples or crow's feet, but Lois looks all of 22 years old. Yeah. She has no lines on her face. So I didn't. I didn't. Maybe we're just not looking hard enough. Maybe micro microscope. Maybe we're just not looking hard enough. Yeah. Page six. The Superman groupies are very amusing. Mm. I did like those. I really like them a lot. I especially like the two girls saying Superman's there, but he's my boyfriend. No, he's my boyfriend. And then I love Uh -uh. that the guy they're knocking about with goes, "No, Superman's my boyfriend." (laughs) I was hysterical. He's a gay one. Well, I know. I love that. I love that he's not brought attention to, he's not drawn as being stereotypically gay, he's not written with any cute mannerisms, he just is. And yeah. nobody makes a big deal out of it, apart from us in this show. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. thought, I just thought that was really funny. I loved it. I really... Please! I thought yeah. that was really good. Uh, page 10. I didn't know Lois and Clark couldn't have kids. He lives in You've seen the DC. Rats. I've seen more rats. It's an argument that makes no sense to me. It makes plenty of sense no, to me. No, it doesn't. Superman Batman Generations by John Byrne. Byrne came up with a perfectly plausible way that Lois could get pregnant and have children. Go on. He puts, oh god, was it a gold kryptonite necklace? Well, there you go, that's how you'd have to do it. Honor. And the gold kryptonite saps the kids of their strength while they're in her womb. Yeah. And then she gives birth in the That means for those nine months, Superman can't spend time with his wife. Why? Because the gold kryptonite would take the power there away is, from him. That's a good point, actually, that I hadn't considered. But maybe it would be worth it for him to have a child. It might have been. For, you know, possibly. But it, was this a holdover from that last Sun story out with Christopher Kent? It might have been, but it's been a while since I read that. And I've not read it. I read it as far as that 3D issue, and I can't read 3D issues. They just make my brain explode. Really? Yeah, I can't put them stupid bloody glasses on when I read comics. It's bad enough. to read it all with a crease. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to find the issue that wasn't 3D in one of the 50p bins because I loathe buying comics twice. 
but I would buy yeah I would buy an issue of that that's not 3D if I could find one cheap so I could read that bloody story yeah the Outland Down story again. Yeah. That is not lasagna they're eating. I have never seen lasagna like that. That's just red gloop on a plate. Yeah, it doesn't look like lasagna, does it? In fact, they've not got much of it either. No, especially given that she brings in a big bowl of it. Yeah. Maybe the kids at it, Uh Page 13. I really hate it when two skinny girls with tiny waists, long legs and pert lips are shown stuffing their faces with cake. <laughs> Neither of them look like they've even smelled cake. Well... Look at it though. Mm. Right? Yeah. It's whole. Yes. Okay? Yeah. Look at it though, it's yeah. still whole. That's what I'm saying. They've but scarfed. It's, it's a donut. They've scarfed half of that cake between them. Between panels. Between panels, yeah. And it turns into a donut. <laughs> the, 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 there's a hole in the middle and then it comes back in the next which, panel. Which is, which is quite funny, yeah. Page 18. Uh, I like Lois stood on Superman's feet when they're hovering. Yeah. I liked that in Superman Returns as well. That she was, he wasn't just carrying her, she was stood on his feet. Um, mixed feelings about this one it's a nice look at Lois and her thoughts on being married to Superman and it's well written and all but the art is a bit stiff and it's all just a bit meh isn't it yeah it's not a bad issue of Superman's wife Lois Lane but it's a meh issue of Superman wasn't that actual series uh, Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane was a series in the 50s yeah because the TV show was so popular Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane got their own books oh. surprisingly we didn't get Superman's editor Perry White <laughs> which would have been an amusing book I suppose um, I do notice that this comic is full of ads for the Batman books yeah did the Batman titles reciprocate this um, no no Superman didn't have anything for them to advertise no. this was when Bruce Wayne came back ok fair enough good advert of Batwoman, Batwoman as well what did you think of that one Michael I dislike it because it seemed <laughs> like well no no because oh, it seemed like it had a deep and meaningful message message to tell with the old domestic stuff but it fell flat on its face faster than Straczynski left the book <laughs> not only is this message introduced a bit too late into the book but it's only mentioned in one panel they also left it down too where they're all stiff but still angry and shouting each other they're all just stiff there and pointing and the child scrunching its face up uh, ok fair it's, enough it just lets the issue down not a fan then no alright fair enough Superman 705 drops on the 10th of November 2010 the cover depicts a little boy in a Superman t-shirt with a black eye looking up at us the readers by John Cassidy the variant by Yannick Paquette has a scurry looking Superman offering us his hand yeah they are bookends I suppose to quote Mike they're alright that is a bit dull though yeah it's a well drawn little kid with a black eye the Yannick Paquette one is better, but it's still creeper. Yeah, Superman looks really it, bad on that, doesn't he? Yeah. It's, it's, ooh, I don't know, I don't get that at all. Uh, Mr. Sadinsky is back as writer, Eddie Barrows is back as penciler, but joined by Wellington Dias um, as a co-penciler. J.P. Meyer and e- Eber Ferreria, Ferreria, Ferrara, Ferrari is an Inca. Rob Rice is still the colorist. John J. Hale is still the letterer. Will Moss, Matt Idelson are still the various well, that, editors. That's the first panel cracked me up every time. The first panel of the kid running. You're not a fan of that, He's you got tied legs and yet a chubby face. Yes, his head does look a bit too big for his body. It does. But lots of kids do look like that while the bodies are still growing. Yeah. So, fur play. I'll, I'll give that one a pass. Grounded Part 4 has a subtitle. Visitation rights. Ah. None of the others have subtitles. Which confused me in the trade paperback because when I looked it up on Max DC, mm-hmm. right, um, all of them up to the last issue we read was just 
grounded part something. Yeah. But all of them after that just went by their um, subtitles and not grounded. Well, none of the others have subtitles, do they? The rest this is the only one that has subtitles. No, the rest of them do from this point out, I think. No, they don't. The Robesons don't. The, the next, the lot, next lot of Straczynski ones do. Alright, oh, photos. This is the last Straczynski one, isn't it? No, the next one is, isn't it? It isn't. The next one is by G. Wilson. G. Willow Wilson. Well, all the in the <laughs> We've got Mike's DC now. Alright, fair enough. I'm, I'm not arguing with it. It's called Grounded Part 4, as I've mentioned, which implies that the last issue can be ignored completely in the overall narrative. But and you, it can. But you say that it's in the trade paperback. Yeah. Fair enough. This issue's the same as the last issue anyway, just done differently with Superman. Alright, fair enough. In Mount Prospect, Illinois, a young lad named William is mighty excited at the prospect of Superman showing up. His mum isn't cheering that enthusiasm, or indeed any love for her son. 19 miles away in Chicago... Prospect of Superman. 19 miles away in Chicago... Chicago, Chicago, it's my kind of town. Superman does that, except there are no banners waiting for him here. The entire town have heard what happened in Danville, Ohio, and aren't exactly thrilled that he's shown up, and tell him as much. Lisa Jennings, the girl who was at least partially responsible for all the damage, is watching Superman as he meets up with Lois. They spend the night in a motel, hey, everybody's marriage needs spicing up occasionally, and Superman dreams of Metropolis burning. Lisa Jennings is in his dream. You were in my dream. You were driving circles around me. Uh, saying, if you can't save them all, what's the point of saving any of them? Which is one of the stupidest things yeah. I've ever read. Good job firemen don't think like that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, anyway, a big three-headed monster is attacking. What? Tearing up the place and they fight, and when he wakes up, his, st- his face still bears the scars of the dream. Lois covers them with makeup before he leaves the next morning. To- told you Cassidy was turning him into a male model. William, meantime, is making a banner of Superman that his big old douchebag of a dad, Vincent, turns up before ordering him inside. Later, we see his face covered with bruises and William's mum covering them up with makeup. Are you getting what's going on there? Yeah. Are you following the, well, the well, parallel trajectories? No wonder, no wonder he's really angry all the time. He's got a name like Vincent. <laughs> wrong with Vincent. Quite like it, Vincent. Anyway, both talk about how Vincent is a good man, really. Oh, yeah. But that when they make him angry, he has a bit of a temper. Oh, of course. William says that Superman will fix it. Superman continues his walk. He walks right past William's house. Inside that paragon of paternal virtue that is Vincent is beating his wife for making a bad cup of coffee. He turns his eye on William when he tries to stop him hitting his mum and throws him downstairs and into the basement. Superman hears his cries and goes to him. Superman confronts Vincent's father and throws him into the sun. He doesn't do that though, although I think... Were you waiting for me to say I was waiting for you to say, no, wait a minute, no he doesn't. He doesn't do that, although I think... I would have, but that's why it's a good thing I'm not Superman. Well, he takes the family. A lot more of a fun read. Yeah, <laughs> two people thrown into the sun in one episode. Hello, Scott Gardner. Um, he takes the family to the police where they talk and involve child services, and Superman gives William a number to call every day until he doesn't need to anymore, because if he doesn't call, there will be consequences. Which I found very silly. The police thank Superman, but he says they didn't need him, they just needed somebody to listen. Page two, it is Lisa Jennings, isn't it? Showing yeah, up again. She is the main. This story's antagonist. Yeah. Okay. Page three. Do you remember when Superman was quite well respected by people in comics? Well. Do you remember when Superman wasn't an angsty knockoff of Peter Parker? Before. Uh, Before 
damned idiot came to town. In fact, this whole dream sequence is better suited to Lee Ramita era Spider-Man than Superman. And this is what's infuriating about Straczynski. His dialogue and his handling of the relationship between Lois and Superman is really good, but this woe is me stuff doesn't feel right for this oh, character. Woe and yeah, I mean, I'm, I've, I know he's been through a lot, and I know it's playing on his mind, and I'm, but I'm really struggling with this marvelization of the character. I have no issues with him being a bit uncertain with Lois in private, but having him walk around with this sulky, everything I do is wrong, I hate myself, and I want to die look on his face isn't going to make people trust him again actually doing something that may make them trust him a gun <laughs> yes. Superman's a gun yeah, no the, the woman says that if somebody walks into this park with a gun everyone be a nervous well the way we see it you are the gun he is not a gun Megatron's a gun <laughs> Superman's a shield he's the strongest man on earth he fights for people so they won't be harmed or killed <laughs> if he does attract some bad guys attention then guess what he's Superman he'll take care of the bad guys whilst defending the people and the children in the park if, if there's anyone on earth who can be trusted more than Superman then no he's created them yet and even if Superman was a gun which he's not I'm pretty sure guns can't kill anyway Megatron was useless until Starscream picked him up so you're saying if he was a gun then it wouldn't matter until somebody picks him up so her whole analogy falls apart so it, it does yeah. anyway yeah. okay fair enough he's not a gun he doesn't he doesn't attract bad guys attention well he kind he of does attract their attention and then if he does he defends the people yes I'm not disagreeing with you I thought it was a horribly clumsy analogy uh, the three headed monster is by far the coolest thing in this entire story yeah, uh, I, I did quite like the three-headed monster. Um, you know, page 13 and 14, we've already mentioned the, the rather obvious juxtaposition with Superman having his bruises covered up by Lois and William's mum covering up his bruises. Again, I thought that was a bit clumsy. Yeah. Um, superficially, this is similar to any number of stories tackling this issue from the early days of Superman and the infamous you're not hitting a woman now quote, which is a great issue, mm. where Superman just takes out that wife beater. And you're like, yes! Throws her in front of his own bullets. No, that was, he doesn't do that to him. Um, no. There's also a crisis at hand from just before the death of Sturry in the 90s. And all of these have the common thread that ultimately Superman can't do anything about it. As much as may, we may want to turn Vincent into kibbles and bits at the end of this issue, he can't. Because in real life, this kind of situation needs assistance from trained professionals. My wife, your mum, works for an organisation where she provides assistance and guidance for precisely this kind of situation. Although she can't give me names due to the confidential nature of her job, she does sometimes have to tell me some of the problems that she's seen that day at work because she needs to talk about them yeah. and get them out of her system. And some of the stories she's told me will make you want to turn to vigilantism. They really do make you want to just go out with a gun and shoot people. Hobo with a shotgun. Hobo with a shotgun. If you have any ounce of compassion... For real people, in real situations, they'd make your blood boil. Well, my views on this is, not all the time, but sometimes they can turn around and stop it, but half the time they don't because they believe it's their fault, like in this story. Mm. Well, let's see, that's a couple of things your mum's talked about, the amount of cases where the wife or the husband, domestic abuse works both ways, won't press charges, Mm. and there's nothing they can do about it. Absolutely nothing. What Straczynski's doing here is tackling a real issue, and the ending makes it very clear that Superman isn't there in real life. We have to do something about it. But beyond the obvious emotional manipulation, this story fails. 
the 90s story at least attempted to explain why the husband slash father, in that case named Johnson, was like he is, which is a really brave stance for a story of this nature to take. Because by definition, most people, if somebody's a wife beater and a child beater, your first reaction is you want to kill them. Yeah. There is no excuse for it. And Crisis at Hand at least attempted to explain why he was like that. Whereas in this story, Vincent's a straw man. He's somebody to be knocked down to give the story a focal point. Whilst comics should address real-life topics, there is so much more to this type of situation that can be addressed in a 22-page comic. Believe me, we both know from experience all about child services and social workers and the behind-the-scenes machinations of what exactly goes into helping somebody out in a situation like this. I mean, we're not going to talk about them for obvious reasons on a podcast. But whilst this issue really does have its heart in the right place, it's ultimately a really superficial attempt to address a larger topic that the confines of the story Straczynski's telling will not let him explore properly. The really irritating thing about this is, given the space to explore this, I think he could have done a really good job with it. Yeah. But it's one issue and done Not and over with. Flat two D characters. Yeah, and it's, like it's, it's it's one of those worthy but dull stories that you think he, he, you wish he hadn't bothered with because he can't do it justice. Yeah. We're never going to see that kid again. We don't know what happens to him. It's just he got rebooted. Yeah, well, probably. Crisis at hand again. You saw those characters after that. Yeah. And Lois followed up on what happened to them. And it's one of those things where that era was just so much better. And why it annoys me when people come in and say, post-crisis Superman was crap when he clearly wasn't. Well, we've grounded. Was, were they not looking for a filler before they rebooted? Cause no, because when he started writing it, he didn't know the reboot was coming. That's right. why he quit. Because this is the last yes. Superman story. This is the last Superman which is doubly disappointing, really, isn't it? Yeah. We got whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow last time. This time we get this. Yeah. At least uh, action ended out all well and good. Mm-hmm. Superman 706. Got a bit serious there for a second, though. We, we did. Superman 706 come out on December 15th, 2010. John Cassidy has Superman symbolically draping his cape over a map of the US, which sums up the tone of the piece, I suppose. The variant by Sammy Basri, who I've never heard of, is not very good at all. No, it's very good. stiff image of Superman and the iconic bullets bouncing off his chest style, but it's really weak. It's, Stick it's, with the classics. Is Texas really the biggest state? Uh, I think so. Um, it's another grounded interlude! Whoa. Entitled Breaking News, <clears throat> G. Willow Wilson is back as writer, whilst Amilcar Pinner, Pinar, is the artist. <clears throat> the rest of the creative types are Rod Rice, colorist John J. Hill, letterer Will Moss and Matt Idelson, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's Monday, December 13th, 2010, 7.45am. I don't know why that's important. Perry White has received the quarter of the reports and it isn't good. The Daily Planet is in trouble. Apparently, urbanitis, which sounds like a sexually transmitted disease, a blog about corrupt politicians and the like has the Daily Planet in its crosshairs. The most recent article posted asked the question, is the planet in bed with Superman? And suggests that the planet bribes Superman and that Lois Lane has an unhealthy connection with him. Ron Troop suggests that Perry may want to take this seriously. Perry calls Sandeep, a young photographer, into his office and fires him. He tells Sandeep he wants him to go undercover and find out about urbanitis and its webmaster Jack Hoffman. Motives, methods, sources, that kind of thing. But he can't send him as a planet employee, so he's fired. Get the story, and his job will be there when he returns. What if he doesn't get the story? Is he fired for real? Yep. 
December 15th, Sandeep, Sandeep hits up the offices of Urbanite and worms his way in. Apparently they have a nice juicy photo of Superman and Lois Lane in a compromising position. Perry asks Sandeep to arrange a meet with Hoffman face to face. Superman shows up briefly to tell Perry there's nothing untoward about his relationship with Lois and that the internet scares even him. Perry says the less he knows, the less he has to deny. December 16th, 1950, 9.15am, Hoffman shows up the planet and meets Perry. He presents his evidence and Perry refutes it all. Until the final damning piece, a photo of Superman and Lois planting a huge kiss on each other. Sandeep proves that it's a Photoshop job and Perry wants a retraction, a retraction on the blog and the office Hoffman a job. The planet needs someone who understands new media and it all ends happily ever after. Oh. Uh, page four. Slightly confused by Perry's attitude towards Clark. Where he says, I'm even starting to miss that son of a biscuit husband of yours. He may have two and a half left feet, but at least he can keep a deadline. Is this the post-final crisis revision that Clark's back to being a bumbling buffoon? No. Because I always remember Perry respecting Clark and his reporter's instincts. Even in the Christopher Reeve movies, Perry saw something in him. Well, um, Final Crisis didn't change anything constituency-wise. I mean, it was written by Grant Morrison and not Jeff Johns. So, so when did Clark become a bumbling idiot again, then? Whenever Jeff Johns decided to jump on Superman. Oh, right, okay. Page 11, Hoffman tells Sandy pretty much everything he needs to know on one page. And he's not the slightest bit suspicious about the Planet Employee who just walked in off the street just after they went after the Daily Planet. Oh, no. I'm all for economy of storytelling, but this stretches credulity ever so slightly. Uh, page 15, 16, Superman's looking really porky in these pages. <laughs> Which is fine, he's married, you know, maybe put on a bit of a middle-aged spread on as comfort sets in. I mean, he'd still be Superman with a couple extra pounds on him, wouldn't he? Hey, look, it's an advert for that comic we never got. An advert for Batman Europa, did that never happen? Nope. Did it not? Nope. Oh, weird, that. Um, I pretty much had the same reaction to this out to Wilson's other issue. It's fine for what it is. If this was an issue of Superman's pal Perry Wright. But there's even less to this than the lowest issue. Editor. Yeah. We know Perry's above doing anything that would clash with his ethics. We know it's not going to be a picture of Lois and Superman trow down in an alleyway. And we know it's all going to be okay. There are no surprises in this issue at all, other than how on earth the webmaster of a major tell-all website couldn't spot a Photoshop job. Yeah. Didn't he read that issue of Spider-Man where Peter convinced Jonah he hadn't killed his clone and took his place? You never read that one where Peter produces faked photos to show that the photos that actually were fake were fake. No. It's all very complicated. Um, the more recent issue where Peter faked a picture of Jonah to save his mayorship and Jonah chucked him under a bus. Oh, I've seen that. You read that one. Well, I did think this issue was utter trash. <laughs> yeah. It, it kills the overall narrative for a crap story with a crapper about someone we've never even heard of before doing something we won't that we don't care about, won't be carried on to any of the issues after us, and then a new guy gets brought on board to the planet to never be seen or heard <laughs> of again in any later yeah, issues. Okay. Though I did find it interesting that after all this time, someone did finally notice that Lois and Clark are the only ones that get Superman exclusives. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, that's that's it. I, I, I do apologise for this one being largely negative. Yeah. Um, my my interpretation of the last six issues isn't quite as bad. No, I really like those. Ah, last good. Ones. So so next week will be a bit more positive. Yeah. Um, like I say, Michael Michael's reaction to this quite shocked me because I thought he'd like this. I um, like the idea. Well, and when he said he'd read it and didn't, I was intrigued, and I read it thinking maybe I would have a different opinion. Yeah. And, Inadvertently, we've ended up agreeing with each other. 
Uh, a final note on this Comics Alliance featured these grounded issues on the worst comics of 2010 list. Uh, which is www.comicsalliance.com 2010 slash 12 slash 30 worst hyphen comics hyphen 2010 hyphen superman hyphen grounded slash Is this 2010? Yes, so it's it's worth you um, picking them up picking them up it's worth checking that out if, if you're not a fan of this story uh, by contrast just to offer the other viewpoint yeah. collectededitions.com really loved this storyline and gave both trade paperbacks glowing reviews well, so those people have read something completely different to us then. Well, you know, whatever. Uh, okay, we'll be back next week with the last six issues of this, which... Um, well, the last five. No, I think it's still six, is it? I think so. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out next time. But, um, but we do like those a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands to Do production, and all opinions expressed by Michael and Andrew in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and probably not to be taken too seriously. All music and sound clips used in the show are copyright the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money for this, much to their chagrin. New episodes drop every Thursday at apleyland.podomatic.com, but you can also listen through our Facebook page, which you can friend us on by using Hey Kids as the first name and Comics as the second name. You can also listen on our website, where you can also view the covers of the comics we've covered this week. That's www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com. If you have an opinion on our opinions, you can email us on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. We also have a forum, www.forumforgeeks.com, where you can drop by and say hello if you're allergic to email. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics.